0: Dispatching from Block Island, this is Allison Warfield, the Director of the Wellness and Risk Reduction Program at the Block Island Medical Center, and Kristen Bauman, Director of the Island Free Library. This is Wake Up Well, a community conversation around wellness and the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Thanks for joining us.
1: But it could have went either way. I feel like because, like really had a strong sense of myself and because of my Block Island um, I don't even know what you call it but like that kind of security blanket that Block Island a- like allowed me to carry around with me in a way um, really protected me why did, why, you why, live did? On- why did I live on Block Island um, let's see well I guess if I wanted to put it in a nutshell, I might say <laughs> uh, poof. Ah. Uh, creative parenting on my mother's part. Um, let's see. I, uh, yeah, I was introduced to Black Island by my stepdad, Mike Mike. Um, my mother and Mike, we went to Black Island like mid 70s. I grew up on pretty much on Payne's dock with Doris and Fred and young cliff and baby sands. Um, I was probably in the mid seventies. I was like eight, eight ish or whatever, lived on a boat. And then I think what really, I mean, I loved it. Of course it was great. This little community on a boat. It was so much fun. Uh, But then I would say one particular about four years of doing that one particular fall, we stayed out a little longer on the boat and we were in the hog pen, uh, you know, at, and, and and with the boat. And I enrolled in eighth grade because school had started. And I was like, let's stay. You know, I mean, let's get me in school. Uh, I wanted something to do. And it was, and I loved it. And then I came back in the spring and finished out eighth grade and I loved it. And then that next year, I was like, I'm going full time, full court press. I stayed with um, Mrs. Crabtree that first year. She was a secretary up at school. I don't know if people remember her. Um, But then uh, basically it all kind of took off from there because I met John Donnelly, my uh, brother from another mother, as they say. Uh, And Mary Donnelly was generous and opened her home and uh, she made it really possible for me to stay out there. And I did, and that really started my year-round run. And then I, there wasn't, it wasn't a question. I never, I never questioned, like, what am I doing out here? It just felt like the place to be. Uh, before that, again, like my mom, you know, might have not have been the most, uh, mothering, the most mothering of mothers. But but they but her and and Mike introduced me to this great place that really, uh, you know, supported me. So there I stayed. I graduated from Black Island School. I went to Vermont for a minute to go to college. I, I don't even know. Oh, some friends. Actually, yes, I do remember these people that I had made friends with out there that were kind of like big sisters um, at the time. Because I was growing up in the marinas, I was spending a lot of time at the oar. Um, and as a young person, you know, sitting at the bar with Harry eating, you know, burgers and, uh, banana pancakes and, uh, they enrolled me in college. Like they filled out an application. I got an application that said, you're, you're accepted to Champlain college in Vermont. And I was like, I didn't even apply. They applied for me cause they knew I had graduated and I hadn't really done anything to kind of go to college. Black Island was lacking possibly. Black Island school in um, like that kind of structure when I was younger. Um, and and or I just didn't take advantage of it. I think it was a, a combination of both. So they enrolled me and I got accepted and I went and it was really cool. Uh, they were up there at the time as well. These two these two ladies that worked at the OR. Um, but I ended up coming back to URI, studied
0: art. I'm curious if you can identify what it was about the block Island school in eighth grade that made you want to stay.
1: Say, I mean, community, um, a sense of belonging. I think before then I didn't really have, I mean, I did an only child, you know, no brothers and sisters. My mom didn't have brothers and sisters, so I didn't have a really big family. So there was a, there was a feeling there. Um, and this kind of acceptance and it just, and it, it felt, it felt weaved through the Island because it wasn't only in Block Island school. It was also like late, a little later, like from college, but still, still going back to Block Island for summers. Like I didn't have a home out there. So I lived in my, I lived either. Sometimes I split the time between on the boat or at Mary Donnelly's, but again, because I was of this lack of like supervision or creative supervision as I'm calling it now um, allowed me to kind of make my choices where I wanted to be. Um, So I might be a Mary Donnelly's, but I might be on the boat or I might, I lived in the back of station wagons too. Um, uh, I also lived in my van. I parked in Mick and Judy's yard for a couple of summers. I parked under Sue apple trees in her yard. Um, People welcoming me, letting me be myself. I think that that whole feeling of, um, being taken care of but but unsupervised really helped create kind of who I am.
0: That's really interesting. And where do where would you say Kristen and I come in just to bring maybe people who do not know who you are and who we are? So Kristen had a couple of buddies
1: and I remember as you know as an when you're growing up on the island, especially I mean, I don't, I can't speak for now because I haven't spent, you know, a winter out there in a while. But like when we were younger, you know, there's not that many people on Black Island. So the summer people really stood out. And then there was, there was like, and then there were different categories of them. So Kristen and her buddies seemed, uh, kind of cool, interesting, and they were like city folks. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and so when I would run into them or see them, I would be like, there are those people. I mean, I don't have, unfortunately, I don't, Kristen, maybe you remember the exact, do you remember the the part that stands out for me the most is that you're, is that Carrie, a friend of ours, like it was a friend of hers, but I knew she was Kristen's friend, but I didn't know her yet. She came, I worked at State Beach um, with John Donnelly, Liz Donnelly, Alex McCabe under the watch fly of Lisa Sprague one of my best jobs one of my favorite jobs State Beach when we used to have baskets and we rented them um and she I lent her my skim board and then she never returned the damn thing and so then <laughs> but it gave me reason to like every time I saw Kristen I'm like where's your friend where's your mean friend I want, I want my skim board back <laughs> but I eventually got my skim board back uh and then Carrie and I became friends uh Kristen do you what do you remember well,
2: we we were, I came to Block Island with Carrie and her family. Mm-hmm. And we were Jersey people. But right. I guess, you know, but we went to the city a lot. We lived close to New York City. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of remember those days of you at State Beach. I do remember them. What I think about is, like, what didn't State Beach have that, like, it had like its own jetty, right? What yeah, the hell was it that had thing?
1: Two, it had yeah, it two. Had two it had
2: two jetties on the beach. I remember those days and I remember you from that. Um mm-hmm. I yeah, will we, say, I will say though. We were teenagers though. We were yes, we were teenagers. And um I know when um uh, when we met again, I know when that was. That was um at Eveline Littlefield's house.
1: You know how you have those friends. I mean, I have to say, I think it's a it could be a small community thing. It's definitely a Block Island thing. But friends that I've met that are not Block Island people are also are always like kind of intrigued that we stay so close um, and that we might not see each other for you know chunks of time, but then we're still really close. Like we didn't lose some, like we lost like time, but not. There's a deepness that I think Black Island, and at least my experience, really connects this all because I know that, again, my friends that I've made that aren't Black Island friends are like, oh, I don't even talk to certain people anymore because I've never had a chance to really run back into them. But because Black Island is this place that, you know, just stays with us and we keep going back, we, yeah. um, we, it allows us to not see each other for years and still be connected.
2: Yeah, that connection is very strong through this piece of land. Very, very strong. I agree. Yep. I think about that often. And yeah. and we have a very strong collective of uh women that we're very close to and remain close to and I believe we will always be close to because of this piece of land.
1: Yeah. And it's some of that kind of history that and I think we'll probably talk about this a little later but just kind of what's happening to block on now and like our memories and you know the island's changing a lot and i i had just a conversation the other day with a very close friend that owns a house up there but it's like what does this mean for the future like in a sense like do we like where it's going do we feel like the same ways and i always say like they you know they can't take our memories kind of thing even if they Take the island, even if the island changes to this extent where it's not what it used to be, we still have those memories.
2: Yeah,
1: and that, and then Allison, you, I was at Block Island School. I remember your parents being hired. Um, They were like Um, the cutest, nicest couple, Joanne and John Warfel, and uh, (laughs) um, yeah, they were so sweet and nice. And then they had these two kids. As you know them, Allison and Johnny, uh, and God knows why, but I became their—I mean, God knows why they chose me—but somehow, I became their nanny. Or maybe, I, uh, yeah, Allison, you—you you were young. I don't, How old were you? Like, I don't remember. I just have pictures. You looked like little, and Johnny was littler. I remember him. He was still kind of in diapers, but he was good enough where I could go the morning your mom could give them to me in diapers and I could get them back to her before he really pooed in them. And I was always so happy about that because I never wanted to change his diapers. Maybe I shouldn't have said that in, over the, if Joanne, if you're listening, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry.
0: I just didn't want to change the dirty diapers. <laughs> I think I was like four probably. Cause yeah. Yeah. Probably about four.
2: You so, were pretty darn
0: cute. I know that.
2: What year is that when you're four? Uh, that would be ninety, maybe. Oh, ninety. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. And you know, again, feeling accepted. You know, part of the family. I watched their. They trusted me with their kids, and I mean, everybody was. My other peers were also, uh, you know, babysitting too or nannying. So we just. I mean, that was, if State Beach was my, you know, one of my best jobs, nannying was also one of my best jobs. I mean, I got to go to the beach every day with these two kids, play
0: around, have fun,
2: teach them things.
0: Yeah, you taught us so many things, like how to drive. And um, (laughs) (laughs) at four. At four. At four. And it's never too early to learn a little Mm -hmm. bit about driving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we talked about lots of things, politics, mm-hmm. right? I, I learned who Nelson Mandela was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it, as you should know at four. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, but let's, let's just like, let me just like can we just like loop back to eighth grade? You could feel those things in eighth grade.
1: Which things are those?
2: Well, that, that sense of community and connection.
1: Um, I don't know if it was conscious. I mean, I'm I'm looking, yeah. I'm reflecting and looking back, but yeah, I definitely felt something that I'd never felt before. Yeah. I felt a little, I felt a little transient before. I felt a little like, you know, my uh, you know, parents don't know know what they're doing when they have kids. Sometimes, if they're especially if they're younger, not a lot of support. You yeah. know, I, I was pretty much independent at really a young age, and um yeah, I don't know, Black Island again gave me that feeling of like I felt I must have felt safe because I did. I was able to be who I was. I knew that I didn't necessarily fit fit some particular mold. Um but really it was it, again, people they were just treating me um like I uh like I was part of them in a sense or or I don't know like again taking care of um, treating me like myself I didn't feel like anybody was judging me or at least they weren't you know out loud I felt I felt accepted and then of course if you're not if you feel accepted and not being judged then you're probably not judging others so I'm sure there was some knuckleheads in that mix but I wasn't you know like again they were nice to me so I showed that I showed that back, back to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I created enough of a in my brain I just like this is who I am. And I I don't know if I was just in some crazy denial of not being like everyone else or I really just was okay with it and just did my thing. Cuz I didn't necessarily see like other people like me, but Black Island had, and I think we talked about this before, just about the amount of characters that are on Black Island or in a small community. And just being a character and accept and being accepted like that is, it feels really nice, you know?
2: Yeah, I worry about that. I worry that there's no more characters left. Or that I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we're losing that identity. Yeah, that, or at least that flavor of it. That because um, there were characters. Oh,
1: I know. Yeah. Oh my god.
2: And there's still some. I mean, we could name a few right now, but you know, there's yes. still some.
0: Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Do you guys have a favorite, also- like a favorite character that you remember? Oh. Oh. I mean, jeez. <laughs> well.
2: This was not a favorite, but it is a moment to tell uh, that Rocket passed away this week. Oh and, no. uh, Yeah, yeah, Rocket's gone. He was definitely, definitely a character. character. Yeah, yep. definitely a character.
1: Yeah. What about oh, uh, Freddie? Yeah, Fred. you loved
2: him. You loved him. He fucking Freddie,
1: fast fucking Freddie. F on his hat. Fast,
2: fast, fast fucking Freddie. <laughs>
1: He tax, when I was a I taxi driver out there for a while, and he was my you know a fellow taxi driver, and he would just tell stories and you know to the to the tourists and stuff, and I just was like I want to be just like that guy, like he seems unhinged, but at the same time, like you know sometimes when people kind of talk crazy, but they but but it's not like they're making shit. Well, they might be making stuff up, but they, but they kind of believe it at the same time. Like basically, they believe it to the point where you believe it when they're saying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like Vicky Vodka Vick, Vicky Murphy. She remember her? Yeah. R.I.P. She at the um at the number one cafe. Also R.I.P. Uh, she would come in, and she would have the Bible all broken down and like underlined and skip and like (laughs) she would have like these passages all kind of cut out but then somehow take out all the words except the ones that somehow referred to why God thinks we should all smoke weed and she believed it so intensely that I also I was like of course that's doesn't it makes total sense if you take out all those words out of that passage and only circle the ones that talk that are like God growing, high, you know, like you could make a whole other passage that really only focuses on why it's okay to smoke weed. (laughs) So she was one of my favorite
2: characters. There you go. I don't don't want to get off the favorite character topic, but we do a library program of that, of um, found poetry, where you block out words, and then it's a new poem. Oh, that's a thing? Oh, that's a thing. She was doing a thing. I don't know if, if she like, knew she was doing a thing, but that's
0: a thing. Found yeah. Poetics. So is Kristen the first person to introduce you to New York? Like to really take you there and show you around? Yes. Well, I think so. I um, mean, I know the brain's a little foggy, but like, does that feel like a fair statement? No, that seems like a totally
1: fair statement. Yes. And you know, growing wow. up on Black... Here's the other thing about Black Island. Like, I was not fooled by like, the uh limit of other things like i know there was this really great community and everyone was accepting but a lot of it was very white it was very um you know not so city-ish uh you know so it was a lot of other things that were missing and so i was always curious about those missing pieces and you know anyone who came into my world that might have a uh you know a line into these missing pieces, of course, was like an extra bonus because it was like, not only are these people nice, but they have, you know, they've got connections to this other world.
0: Yeah, we we,
2: we definitely... We that's were a whole in, other podcast. Yeah, that's another podcast because, you know, people are getting very famous writing these books and making these... I watch all these Netflix videos and I was like, I was there. I did that. I was <laughs> yeah. there. Like, we really... We were in New York at a... I guess every time in New York is a cool time. I guess that's kind of like the beauty of New York or, or the, the magic of New York. But it felt very cool to us then. We were, We were... We were running around Studio 54 and we knew, you know, good bars and drag shows and we were like dancing with Madonna and like literally like, you know, we were at Boy Bar, which was like Madonna's haunt and we were in a lot of cool places at a very cool time. I think about it's that York. often. There was yeah. the
1: Palladium. The
2: Palladium. Keith yep. Haring was hot. We were like right at Keith Haring's feet all the time, and yep. Um, yep. Big a, a, a lot and of up. designers, a lot of a lot of designers that got in. I think RuPaul was like. I think like we were like. Who knows who what we were doing? Nobody <laughs>
0: really remembers. But you know what? Like you could just make it up. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna
2: make our own Netflix movie about so Boy bad. Bar. We're gonna,
0: we're gonna exactly. talk about
2: Boy Bar, which isn't even there, and pretend we know where it was.
0: So here, so Candy, like, if that's your first exposure to New York, are you kind of like, I don't know, are you feeling like you you want to live there at this point, or like does that represent like the place, the center of cool, the place where you want to be, the place yes, of the missing that pieces? Was
1: the it was the opposite of Block Island, in the sense of many things, (laughs) I guess. Uh, It was still an island, which I liked. Uh, But yeah, that cool, that kind of, the culture, the art, the music, the gayness, that I don't even think I, like, it didn't all set in, like, so, I wasn't conscious of it, but all of those things, were things that I was kind of missing and those were those those questions I had. They all seemed to be answered at New York. So yes, at an early early on I realized that like after you know, again, like went to URI, graduated, studied art. But every summer went back to Block Island. I didn't have anywhere else to go at this point. You know, I lived like out of my car or out of a storage unit that I had, like across from stop and shop. I don't even I think that storage place is still there. Um but uh yeah I knew that someday I'd get to New York. That was my thing, and it was kind of like that was a no-brainer. I'd be, Block Island, New York bound at some point in my life. I mean, it took me a minute then to get there, but when I did, it felt it felt good. Uh, let's just back it up for a minute. I've lived in New York now, Brooklyn, for twenty-two years. Right? Um,
2: I I worked. You've on- lived in Brooklyn for twenty-two years. Yep.
1: Well if my math is right, but you know, math was my worst subject. Yeah, I was like, Let's
2: hear the dates. I don't think that's right.
1: <laughs> I don't know the dates, but you know, Foy voice, voice was my math teacher. So that should just tell you something right there. Um, but yeah, 22 years, uh, uh, I created my little apartment it is like a remote Island sanctuary. I love it. Um, and, you know, I, I've been with my first mate for 14 years. Whoop. Who knew that? That seems forever too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I worked on some movie sets at first. You might remember the classics, uh, Pootie Tang or, uh, Brooklyn Babylon. Uh, <laughs> but Pooty Tang, tip a tie, my is. And then I did, you know, I did some painting. I did some other stuff, but basically, it, yeah, the teen thing, higher calling. I wasn't feeling really like 100% fulfilled. There was something else. Something was missing. I wanted to give back. I think one of the things that the island offered me was kind of that that space, you know, to to be myself um and to kind of just grow and gave me structure cuz God knows what well, my my mother gave me, I mean, a few things, but I'll tell you what, structure was not one of them. So you know, thank you, Connie. Uh, but yeah, no structure. And I think that, and I started working with teens and then realized that like, you know, as much as I didn't see myself and, you know, I, I wasn't represented in the ways of like, uh, fat people weren't represented, you know, gay people who look like me weren't represented. Um, you know, women weren't represented like me. I just didn't see myself in the in the form that I was in. I saw myself in other forms, um, and so seeing te- as I was older, and then working with like teens, volunteering programs and stuff, I I was like, oh, you know what? All teens struggle on some level. It wasn't just me. You know what I mean? Like every kid has this thing that we're trying to fit into and. And so then I was like, I think at first I thought maybe I could help teens that were like me when I was young. But then I realized, like, I could probably just help any teen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just teens, teens struggle. And we all kind of could use the same that same kind of safe, brave space, a, a, a place to grow, to be accepted. So I wanted to do that. And that's what brought me into the work that I do now.
0: So let me ask you this. This is kind of a, um, maybe kind of a tough question, but do you have a time of your life or maybe an age when you feel like you came into yourself when you feel like you were the most candy or when you finally figured out like who candy really kind of was. I feel like that happened. That's still
1: happening, bro. Still happening. Still happening every day. I mean, I think there's been different times in my life that I felt things. I definitely as you get older you care less. Um things start to shift a little bit and you're like, "Oh, that makes sense." Oh. That's why I did that. I mean, I definitely had to create kind of my own lane in the sense of you know who I was, what I looked like. Even in my work, I mean, I work, I work with teenagers. I run two teen programs through the YMCA at two public high schools in Manhattan. It's a leaders club, college, like career readiness thing. Um, Again, kind of creating this brave space to be yourself, you know, that kind of thing. Um,
0: What was the question? Well, I think you answered that first question very well. Oh. Oh, excellent. You said you're, you said you're, you're evolving. I believe you said you're still evolving. Oh, I am evolving. Is that yeah, what you heard, I,
2: Kristen? Yes, yes. And now she's talking about how her work, uh, something working with the teens, is also contributing to her invo- her evolving.
0: I think that yeah, this is this is a really interesting theme that I'm picking up on. Is this idea of uh, the theme of you being awarded this sort of like structured safe accepted space as a young person that you now try to like transfer over to the kids that you work with and that's what has driven you into that line of work yeah i mean showing that i think that there's this whole small world big
1: world kind of thing that's important to you know kind of be aware of like black island is a small world and it had its like limitations again in the sense of like culture and uh things like that Uh, but then and then there's this big world and you don't you know one of either might not be enough and so like the big world needs to see that there are these smaller worlds that can work really functioning and be really you know supportive and then the small world needs to know that there are these big worlds that can also do that and that we can
0: all work together was it fast freddy other than fast freddy do you feel like or it was fast, fuck freddy. fast it was, fucking freddy it really
2: was fast Fucking freddy
0: okay fast yeah. Fucking freddy um did you have like role models you said you didn't really feel like you were represented anywhere like you didn't feel like there was anyone quite like you on block island although you felt like there were other characters and then even like in new york you're saying like you you didn't really find somebody who was quite oh like, that's what yes thank you allison so here I am working this teen job,
1: ju- I'm working with teenagers, but I'm also sometimes dealing with their parents and their parents are kind of like, who's this crazy white lady with short hair and cr- glasses and, you know, wearing, you know, these clothes, you know, kind of thing. And even though to me, I felt like I fit in New York in a different way, in a in a more creative way. Uh, you know, m- not all the parents that I work with, you know, uh, recognize that. Also, the school systems, you know, that I have to walk through the schools and talk to the principals and stuff and the teachers. And, and I don't, and I definitely stand out in that sense. Um, so uh, that's why I think I was talking about that acceptance in the beginning of just kind of like, I just do it like, I, I don't, again, I don't know if it was conscious or I was so, Sometimes I think with being yourself, you know, you if you don't fit these other, like, ideas of what that is, you have to create this kind of, like, a buffer or, or a distraction. It's kind of a both. Like, in my family, I have a very small family, right? Like, so there's my mom, who's kind of missing in action, so to speak, when I'm growing up. And then there's my aunt who is present in this way that's, like, almost too much. Like, pull your hair in bobby pins, wear a dress, you know, that kind of thing. Like, the very opposite. Doing both of them out of love, um, but but very different. And so I had to create this kind of, like, a buffer for me in a way, again, consciously or unconsciously, so that I didn't feel so bad, like, when I visited my aunt, that I wasn't, this person that she wanted to be or possibly what society wanted me to be. But also it was a good distraction kind of from all that too. Like I just did my kind of thing and, and um, I was, I was who I, I was likable that also, and it allowed people, I think it distracted them maybe from that other thing that they thought like, whatever i didn't fit into does that make sense like i didn't i rarely went into a place like worried like that i wouldn't be accepted it was like later that i got there and was like um i thought of it you know what i mean like sometimes i'd get into a place and i'd be like hey i'm the only one in here like this hey but and and it's okay do you know what Mm -hmm. i mean yeah. But it could have went either way. I feel like because I really had a strong sense of myself and because of my Block Island, um I don't even know what you should call it, but like that kind of security blanket that Block Island a lot, like allowed me to carry around with me in a way um, really protected me. And I went in just kind of feeling, you know, sometimes when you, you enter a space and you're kind of like, if you have that confidence that you're supposed to be there, you can get really far past the guards, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, cause, cause you have that, they like, oh, they seem like they're supposed to be here. So just let them in, you know? So I kind of just, I think that person that I created
0: allowed me to do that. It sounds like Block Island was almost like your test was almost like your test laboratory for this. <laughs> I mean, I think
1: it. I think it, in a way, that makes total sense. I mean, and and uh, you know, if I never got off Block Island, I think it would. I think about that sometimes. Like, if I was still out there, what would we be doing? How my life would be different? You know, people are out there. I still have obviously friends out there. They have families. They have houses. Da da da. And I wonder, like, how my life would be different. But I also wonder about all those things, all those ways I wouldn't have been able to develop because of um, the lack of things, you know, like, uh, I think someone like Kristen, I always, uh, admire, you know, Kristen left Buck for a while. Remember Kristen? Yeah. And, uh, and that was hard for us. You know, we were, it was, we had a really tight knit group of people and, you know, Kristen was, I would say you're probably one of the first ones that like ventured off and got a kind of a quote unquote realist job and a real, and a different life. And, and, um, I don't know. I think, I think it was hard. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm sure it was hard for you. I think it was hard for all of us in that sense. And then for you to then to come back and, and now, uh, you know, I think at the time, maybe you, you might've, and I feel like we've talked about this a little bit, like maybe you even kind of felt bad, like you were missing something because we're all still there. But in fact, you were growing in this incredible way that for myself, I'll just speak like I grew later but, you know, you grew in this way that you were then came back and now you're you were experiencing in a whole different new realm for yourself, which, again, I admire a lot. And Allison, I would say that you kind of you did the same thing, right? I mean, you were a kid, but you didn't have to leave, but you left and did your thing. And now you're back. And I remember when I heard you were first back, I was like, what the heck is she doing back here? Not in a bad way, but more like, you know, you, you were doing these things but you you had this you know, whatever brought you back, brought you back. And it's, it's, it's admiring that again, you guys come back and creating these things for yourself and, and making it work.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of maybe block Island D angst has been in any way in my, you know, growing up here that if you stay, there's something wrong with you. If you leave, then you should stay gone. And so like, when do you leave? When do you come back? And, I think part of my evolution has been just getting really comfortable and feeling really good about the things I did when I wasn't here and the things that I can do now that I'm here. Um, I don't remember it was this time or before when you asked me about role models. Yeah, I did ask about some role models.
1: Yeah. I feel like I kind of thought of that for a minute and like, there's definitely particular people I could call out, but you know, also as we get older, I feel like some role models that we knew when we were younger, they were role models for us for different reasons. But and then as we get older, we kind of learn more about these people, and then they might not be the biggest role model. You know what I mean? They're kind of like almost like, you know, who I don't agree with their ways of thinking. But that that shouldn't also. I I struggle with this a lot because then I think back, like, like should that take away from from how they role model for me. Like, like I didn't see those particular ways. That's not what I don't, I'm not attracted to them in that role model way because of these bad things that I disagree with them about. I, I liked other things that they, uh, they showed me in a way. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I feel like role models are timeless, right? They come to you in like a certain period of your life and they sort of are frozen in time because when you're looking at them you are probably imagining yourself also in their time of life and what you might like to look at but you don't have any context for any of that (laughs) uh I did though when I consciously thought about role models and how it can
1: be like a tough thing I kind of broke it down for myself at least into like three categories I thought that that was a little easier would you like to hear them of course we want to hear them yeah. cool 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 and then maybe this will help others think about role models so one role so this one category fell under like um big families so again remember i said i was an only child yeah right yeah. so again what, what was i saying creatively uh unsupervised um and so here it'll la- in in big families the fact that i wasn't A part of them but I was invited in um, allowed me to experience it kind of like an outsider almost as a tourist so to speak and so I could be engaged in it but once removed which also gave me this crazy perspective in a way because I wasn't affected by a lot of their choices and you know families whether it's a big family or not you know there's turmoil there's struggle there's you know there's also happiness and all that but there's definitely some some struggles, but I would say growing up with the Donleys and then the halls, the gaffets, these were all big families on Block Island. And uh, you know, there were just so many of them. And again, as an only child uh, who pretty much feels like I've been on my own since like eighth grade in the sense of parenting, um, like how do they do it? You know, but I really loved all their uniqueness, like the halls, like each each the holes alone have all characters you know what I mean and and plus the plus the mom and dad plus the grandparents like this is whole like generations of characters uh and it was just uh I'd never seen that anywhere before and then of course I lived with the Donnellys you know John I made friends with John Mary Donnelly invited me in um and again just being part of this whole bigger thing and I feel like that family thing was definitely a role model piece for me. Right. Experiencing family. Um, another role model was like a, a maybe more like cl- personal role model would be like tough guy, cutie, uh, softies. You know what I mean by tough guys, softies, mm. like, like Burt Reynolds, right? Like he's a tough guy. But he was a softie, too,
2: with a little sense of humor. He wasn't the first one that came to my mind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, Richard Roundtree. I don't know if you guys know him from Shaft fame. Also, like, a tough guy, but a softie, you know? Like, with a really good uh, sense of style. So, uh, So that was a...
2: Tough guy softies with style. Yeah, tough guy
1: softies with some style.
2: Yeah. I uh, can see fan. how that was a, an important role model for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there were some tough guy softies on blackout. Yeah. Yeah. That- I mean, there probably still are, but some of them, yeah. at least in my brain, I, I was the, what I saw of them, I was scared at first. And then yeah. when I met him, I was like, Oh my God, you're not that scary. And you you seem like actually like a little bit of a scaredy cat. And I might love you more for yeah. the fact that you come off as this big, tough guy, yeah. you know, um, uh, there's a reason why I think that, you know, Jason Momoa would play me in a, in my life story because he's probably a big, tough guy. So... <laughs> um, wait, my last category would also be, would be buddy shows like Starsky & Hutch, A-Team, Charlie's Angels, oh, A yeah. Different World, Welcome yeah. Back Carter. These are all different. Those I feel like showed me that these different types of people... Could support each other, and they're all coming from different lifestyles, different cultures, but they're supporting each other. So I like the support thing. I like the big family, but once removed kind of thing, and I like the tough, tough guy softies. Those
0: are excellent.
2: Yeah, that that's good homework, Candy. A that's plus. like a
0: that's like a dissertation on role models. Yeah. Well,
2: I definitely. You know, can see that and feel that and sort of remember that and recognize that. Maybe it's recognize that in you. And I would, when you were, ch- when we asked you how in eighth grade you knew, you know, you had a sense of community. It, I bet that John and Mary D and er- every other Donnelly played a huge role in that, right? Like that was itself a community that took you right in. Yeah, yeah. That's sure. a that's a community within this community, right? And I think they, they still do that, right? Like Mary D. Funds still run by herself and her daughter Marguerite still are there taking care of this community and, and and making sure everybody's well. But there's something in there about intangibles too. You know, this idea that maybe, you know, maybe we don't always feel the community Um, presence or the community, the essence of community on Block Island as clearly and distinctly as you did uh, in the 70s and 80s and and into the 90s. Um, But I think the intangibles are still there. And I think they still affect us and they still shape us and they still make us who we are, even if they're not as distinct.
0: I think that's a very profound sentiment.
2: (laughs) I know. Sorry. Sorry. It's no, profound.
1: Really? Definitely. Yeah. Well, and uh, well, I think that when, if I could just like I kind of compartmentalized my role models, I could also community, right? When I first came to Black Island, I was part of the boating community and then I became part of the island community. Right. And then I was like the, the, the summer worker community like there's so many different communities all these small ones that equal this bigger one but you know with this working together kind of thing it grew kind of slowly for a while but then fast it's the island's um like off authenticity in a sense like what what is their what is the island's self and who you know true sense of self if that's what you know we're talking about that kind of and uh and who the island obviously is not a i mean it's living but it's not a living human and so who's in charge of saying what this what the island's like authentic self is right right yeah right.
0: i think it's i think it's so interesting because there's so many people who will tell you that they have come here and found a part of themselves that they didn't understand before you know or they will develop and evolve into something like this place has helped them find that in, in one way or another.
1: Well, when you're on a journey,
0: whether consciously or unconsciously, I think
1: finding, you know, finding that sense of that true self, if you believe in that kind of stuff, I guess, it seems to increase um, when you have these, when you feel taken care of in a sense, right? So so you you have creative relationships, you know, I'm not creative, sorry, uh, positive relationships, um, positive socializing, you know, like these things are, this is, and it's all about well-being, right? Like we're, we, if, if the island didn't, if folks on the Black Island didn't accept me for who I was, I would, I wouldn't have felt so good about myself. I wouldn't have been able to um, you know, try things and fail or try things and succeed. Um, I would probably have a way different opinion of myself or I might've just left Block Island and found that somewhere else, but I can't even imagine, you know, because I think that that the uniqueness of Black Island at the time really helped structure who I was. And it's in my world, the fact that I even have created my home, as I mentioned, into this kind of like island sanctuary. I mean, this thing has followed me. My life going up there has, has stayed with me, even though I haven't been there, you know, um, it has stayed with me this whole time. You know, there's this whole, there's the whole gay world that, uh, you know, we haven't really addressed in the sense of, again, I just, it just is what it is. Um, I don't really have like a coming out story. And sometimes I feel embarrassed, not embarrassed, I guess, but like some people have like pretty, deep coming out stories and I figured I don't really feel like I I just always just was candy like in this way and whether that was good or bad it worked for me you know I didn't feel a lot of like I mean of course there was internalized uh, struggle and things like that I'm not saying that my life was easy in any way but I'll tell you some of my struggles are not what you might guess they were around you know Um, and and again just going back to the like the gayness like you know, Kristen and I both worked at a take. Uh, you know, it was a if you guys remember it. I mean Kristen obviously does. Allison, you spent a lot of time in there because mm-hmm. I was babysitting you at the same time.
0: um paid
1: twice. I see how getting paid
2: twice. Yeah. Uh not me. I'm only getting paid once. <laughs> You're getting paid once. <laughs> even though I'm twice. probably changing the diapers. You probably are.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's another podcast. Uh too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, two gay men owned it. I never really knew like gay men, um, so much. Uh, so, uh, but it, and it, again, it wasn't, it never was like a thing. Like I think, I think now it might even be more of a thing in general, but maybe not I just for some things slid under the radar. So in the way that maybe on the mainland, they would have been, uh, maybe it would have been different and 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 that's not to say that people didn't have their opinion of the two guys that ran it um but i mean it, people love that store they came to it they shopped in it we had fun time chris and right we're, that was a great job that was, totally that was a great fun. job yeah and then and then those years i feel like they were so gay it was like not yeah. and it wasn't that's not to say that everyone we hung out with was gay it's just that we listened to partic- you know certain types of music we went out to Winfield's, like, every night after work, right, we, it was like we, there was no, like, gay bar, there was no, like, gay scene, like, we were the gay scene, but I don't think we realized it until much later, you know, sorry, just the other day, someone asked me about, forgot who it was, and they asked about Block Island, and then they were like, well, did you ever go to Fire Island, or to, um, what's the one on Cape Cod? Um, Robins Provincetown, and I was kind of like—I mean, I went to both of those later in life, and I was kind of like, "I again, I'm not, I, I, I appreciate that there's this big, giant gay scene, but I didn't—I don't—and I didn't necessarily—I don't think I missed. I, I liked my little scene. I liked creating what we did on Block Out. Um Again, I can't say what it would have been like if it was if it was one of those two other places that are generally known for their gayness. Um, But I felt like I was supported in my little world and, uh, and I, I, I really liked it.
0: Yeah. I feel like block Island, I would, I would use the word queer. Like there's just a lot of queerness here because there's a lot of people who operate outside of the normative, whatever the normative is, you know, Like whether it's the heteronormative or societal normative or whatever, there's a lot of people who are just trying to live a little bit differently or there were, I think there's probably a little less of that now, which I miss, but I think that's what I felt like growing up. There's lots of people who were artists who are just trying something a little bit new, Yeah. you know, maybe they had girlfriends, boyfriends, a little bit of both, but it just felt like a, f- a free place to express yourself. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, even like when I see pictures of me as a child, I'm usually like dirty and my clothes are on like inside out. Right. Well, which well, well
1: I- That was af- that might have been after that I <laughs> babysat you because when you were with me, you were clean and you had some fly clothes. No, AKA AKA.
0: I'm a a a a. i definitely had fly clothes, which I chose to wear inside out. MC Hammer hats backwards, (laughs) like lots of weird, like so. But I think that maybe at least now, like the kids I see now, right? There's not a lot of kids who are able to express themselves in that way, and that was like natural to me. That like, why am I wearing my shirt inside out and backwards? Why is there a picture of me doing that in the works? And, And nobody corrected me. No one said like, hey, listen, you're here for a picture. Why don't you turn your shirt inside out and put the tag in the back? They were like, this is Allison. She's like this all the time. And she's eight. And this is her being her most fly self. And I hadn't thought about
2: this in a long time, but I I think it's true still. And I think it might be what we're talking about. But so, like, one of the things that I always, that I used to know very well and recognize, and I have forgotten is that Block Island strips you bare. It strips you bare, right? Whether it's the elements or the isolation or the remoteness, you know, that's what we connect on. We're all sort of stripped bare. Like we we don't, we don't put on airs. Like, this is what we're talking about, right? We're talking about inside out shirts and going to the B.I.G. in our pajamas, which actually look just like my clothes now that I'm 55 years old. Like, I can't even tell the difference between my clothes and my pajamas anymore. Like, we, we, we kind of get stripped bare. We kind of get on this level playing field here where we're like, you know, enmeshed in the natural world. It's like, totally, we we live our life by it, right? The ferry will run or not run because of the ocean. The plane will run or not run because of the skies. Um, You know, so we get this, like, we just sort of are here. And that's where we're given this space to be who we want to be. We sort of all start there, right? We're like, we're like, this is, this is you. You do something because you want to, not because you have to wear that clothes or you have to dress like that, or you know, you do it because you like it. This is where we get to develop that sense of us.
0: Kristen, that was good stuff right there. Just wow wow wow, and I think that's
2: I think that's the fear I think that's what we're that that's um this fear for block island that 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 we're losing that right the more we pave, the more we build up, the more ferries that actually do run because they're bigger and they run more often and they come here more often, the more people come here who don't understand that and actually dress for dinner and don't wear their pajamas to the big you know like that's i think that's part of the fear mm-hmm. right i
1: have i have a couple of things first we should be wearing our pajamas outside because all if you just look back at a history of mobsters mobsters <laughs> wear their pajamas outside and they everyone thinks they're a little crazy but are they crazy or are they running like a whole entire mafia in their pajamas that's something to think about so a little just what um going back a little to what allison was saying about um her shirts you know uh backwards and pants backwards and no one saying anything i think that they i think also and and this is probably i mean again my only experience growing up is Island. so small town but also really non-gender specific roles in the sense of like, women did everything. Dudes did a lot of things. Um, You know, so it's like the dudes are cooking fish on the grill, and the ladies are chopping shit down, and they're all not wearing dresses. You know, like, um, yeah. Yeah. I remember, this is a funny story, I, just a short one. I remember the first time I made, I made some, you know, as I lived on the mainland, I made some, you know, extremely gay friends, gayer than anyone I had ever met. And these two women in particular uh, in 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 uh, Austin, Texas, um, Gretchen Phillips and Anne I and they're great people. I love them dearly. And the, and the first time I brought them to Block Island, you know, I explained to Block Island what it was. They were like, you know, they grew up, they were older than me a little bit and also lived in a much gayer world than I did. And so they were kind of like, what? And And when we got there, <laughs> and I started pointing out certain characters and just people in general basically they were like all the women seem like they could be like you know from the music women's music festival because of the way they dress like this is again their perception of what they know and then all the guys look like bears so they were like kenny i thought you said this island wasn't gay i just went to the grocery store and it was packed with like women either for all the women look like came from the women's music festival and all the guys look like bears. I was like, you know, point them out. And I'm like, Oh no, that's that couple. That, that, well, those people were all married and have, you know, which doesn't necessarily mean there wasn't other things going on, but from the look (laughs) of it, these gay people were like, Kenny, your Island is nothing but gay. And I was like, Oh my God, it's the total opposite of that. So that's just perception, right. Of how people look. But again, those, those, those kind of
0: non-gender roles and how people dressed and stuff definitely helped yeah I you gr- know kind of, of growing up when I was I had like a similar experience of like I was in Chicago when I was kind of coming out but trying to find like the gayest scene I could possibly find so obviously what I did was join a softball team because that is as gayest as can get and I was kind of sporty so <laughs> I was like okay I'll surely we'll find the gayest gays I can find here and I did find the gayest gays of all and we hung out And they were telling me all the stuff they like to do. And it was already all the stuff I like to do. And I was like, man, maybe I like am really, I was just like born wicked queer. And I'm just like so good at this because (laughs) I do all these things that they like to do. And I must be like, and I have all the same clothes they have. And oh my God. And then I was like, no, they're like emulating what I did naturally. Yeah. Like learned how to do naturally growing yeah. up as like yeah. a Flock islander yeah. they're doing it they're putting yeah. on flannel because that's like they identify that as queer and i identify that as what you wear in the winter um <laughs> warm. So. i identify that as warm <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yes well yeah that's the other thing like when they were
1: that i was like when of course when they said it out loud i was like how could i live here for so many years and not even noticed it like Cause to me that that wasn't what I saw. Like you're saying, I saw the reason why we all were doing that was for this reason, not not because we were emulating to be something else.
2: Yeah. So you you bring your authenticity even down to your Apocalypse Two business. You're not gonna let people wear those same T-shirts with just like Block Island gets inserted over Narragansett and Block Island gets inserted over Martha's Vineyard, uh, you want an authentic Block Island t-shirt.
1: Yeah, that speaks. I feel like Block Island deserves yeah. something of its own. We don't need yeah. a t-shirt that you could then go to Martha's Vineyard and buy the same one. You mm-hmm. know, like you could go somewhere. Like I have this one that says, you know, I did clams, and it has some clams on it. It's pretty cool. It says Block Island. And a friend of mine was like, oh, you could also sell that on the mainland. Like you could put another. Point could Judith. another you purchase. can
2: put Point Judith on that
1: right and like yes i could i suppose if i if i was a maybe smart and really wanted to get you know make some money but really it's more it's it's really the creative process in the sense of no i wanted to be for block island i want i want us to have these things that again are a little like insidey jokes maybe not jokes but an experience that is uniquely
2: Block Island. it's interesting that you use the word deserve that's interesting to me because alice and i um Allison and I use that word in our work as well, that, that we really believe Block Island, this community deserves an outstanding medical facility and deserves an outstanding library. And that's part of our goal and vision.
1: Yeah, wouldn't that goal and vision be great if everyone who came to Block Island and spent their money, bought houses, if they also thought in the sense of deserves? Because I think that most people... And maybe I'm making a generalization, but, you know, you know, sue me, call my lawyer. I think that they're, I think they're not being, um, they're not being fed by that. They they think they deserve everything. When I think we think, we're community. thinking opposite. Like the yeah. island and the community deserves this. Yeah. What things they bring, what special, unique talents and things do they bring to the community that could kind of just develop.
0: Wake Up Well is produced by Dry Brush Studios. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation or offer comments or suggestions, please email us at wakeupwellblockisland at gmail.com. Thanks.